In this episode of Made in Order, we talk about the fourth song off the first Iron Maiden album, Phantom of the Opera. Oh, welcome to Made in Order, my Iron Maiden podcast. I talk about each Maiden song from their first one to the last. Every single episode's devoted to one song So I hope that you keep listening They really aren't that long We're here. We finally reached it. No, I'm not talking about some milestone with the podcast being uh, the fourth episode. I'm talking about a moment in the history of Iron Maiden. Sure, this song came out with the rest of the album, but if you just listen to this song with Phantom of the Opera, that you get your first real taste of what makes Iron Maiden Iron Maiden. Wait a second. Did Iron Maiden write a song about an Andrew Lloyd Webber musical? No, 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 friends. That came out in 1986, six years after this album was released. Steve Harris wrote Phantom of the Opera based on the 1909 Gaston Larue French novel, The Phantom of the Opera. Why the novel and the musical has The Phantom of the Opera, but this song has just Phantom of the Opera, I'm not sure. Once again, this song was performed by Paul Diano on lead vocals, Steve Harris, who I said wrote the song on bass and backing vocals, Dave Murray on guitars, Dennis Stratton on guitars and backing vocals, and Clive Burr on drums. I read an um, interesting thing on Wikipedia. It says, Suspicions were raised during Iron Maiden's recording of Phantom of the Opera when then-guitarist Dennis Stratton added Wishbone Ash-esque harmony guitars and backing vocals reminiscent of Queen, of which the rest of the band immediately disapproved and removed. So I'm wondering if this is the moment where they realize, you know, um, you know, Dennis, Dennis didn't really, um, didn't, his musical didn't really um, jive with us. You know, we, we had a different ideas of what, um, what we wanted to do with the band. And, uh, you know, it just didn't really, uh, you know, musical differences, you know, they went in different directions. When you listen to the first three songs off this album, uh, Prowler, uh, Remember Tomorrow and Running Free, you get this like hard rock kind of punk sound um, that is very reminiscent of the time. 
But it's with this song, with the literary themes, as well as with all the different crazy time signatures that make up this song, it's really the first time you get that signature sound of Iron Maiden. like to do kind of a deep dive into the lyrics it's funny when I was um, preparing for this episode I really thought that there would be a lot more lyrics Uh, but I forget how much of this song is instrumental and you know looking at it um, I, I hate to say it but this is definitely one of those songs where I don't know the lyrics by heart there are a lot of lyrics they're said fast I've never really taken the time to look at them. Um, and it's like, I realize there's no chorus to the song. There is a verse uh, that is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven 10, 11 lines long. It's almost like two verses. Then there's a bridge. Then there's another verse. And that's it. You know, I really expected there to be more. Uh, and while there's no chorus, they do say the title of the song in the song, which um, isn't always the case with Iron Maiden. So why don't we take the time to just read these lyrics right now? I've been looking so long for you now. You won't get away from my grasp. And it's, they say it so fast. It's like, I've been looking so long for you now. You won't get away from my grass. You've been living so long and hiding and hiding behind that false mask. So to me, it sounds like this isn't the Phantom of the Opera talking. This is, sounds like someone looking for the Phantom of the Opera. Again, I've never seen the musical. Um, I don't know the story. So I just know there's a Phantom and he wears a mask, and he's at the opera. Uh, You know and I know that you ain't got long now to last. Your looks and your feelings are just the remains of your past. So this is definitely someone trying to lure out the phantom. I wonder if it's the woman. Like, there's a woman, right? There's a woman and a guy and the phantom, I think. And it's like a love triangle. I think. Um... If you ever look up Nightwish Phantom of the Opera live, it is pretty impressive. They do the Andrew Lloyd Webber song Phantom of the Opera, and it's pretty amazing. Okay, now to the second verse, or second part of the first verse. You're standing in the wings there. You wait for the curtain to fall. Yes, yeah, it's definitely like someone, either it's the narrator just talking about the Phantom, or it's a character talking to the Phantom. I'm not really sure. And knowing the terror and holding you have on us all. Now, I know that you're going to scratch me and maim me and maul. And you know that I'm hel- and you know I'm helpless from your mesmerizing cat call. Ooh, okay, so this is definitely a woman talking. Um, the woman character. And... She seems like, you know, she's helpless to his mesmerizing cat call. So I didn't realize that the Phantom was kind of a player. And it seems like this woman doesn't really like, and he's a rough guy because he's going to scratch her and maim her. 
So he seems to be playing this a little rough, which, you know, I don't know if that flies. But the woman says she's helpless for his mesmerizing catcall. Again, I'm just assuming this is a woman saying this. Then we go into the fun part of the song, to me. Like, it just totally changes the the sound, the, the um, music signature. just has this upbeat of bum, 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 which reminds me of like an old Quiet Riot um Bum 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 you know slick black Cadillac look it up. Um but this is do 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 keep your distance walk away don't take his bait don't you stray don't fade away yeah Okay so this sounds like someone else maybe it's that third guy talking to the person who was talking in the first verse saying hey keep your distance walk away don't take his bait so now we're talking to someone else. Um, don't fade away. Yeah. Watch your step. He's out to get you. Come what may. Yeah. Don't you stray from the narrow way. Yeah. So this is definitely a different character, a different person saying, um, hey, stay away from that phantom. Okay. With his mask. I know you, you think that you can't, um, you're helpless to his mesmerizing catcall, but you need to stay away from him. Uh, and then we go back to a verse, and that's it. This is it. I'm running and hiding in my dreams. You're always there. You're the phantom of the opera. You're the devil. You just, you're just out to scare. You damage my mind and my soul. It just floats through the air. You haunt me. You taunt me. You torture me back at your lyre. And that's how the song ends. Um, so now it's the woman realizing that, you know, you're the fan of the opera, but you a devil and, um, you're just out to scare. And I think maybe the guy got to her and she's like, you know what? I realize that you're not good for me, Mr. Phantom of the Opera. I don't care if you're David Hasselhoff or Robert Guillaume or Michael Crawford or Paul Stanley, all guys who play Phantom of the Opera in the musical. Um, I don't want nothing to do with you. And, uh, you know, that's interesting. I've, I've knew some of the lyrics. I've seen it live. I've sang the parts I do know, but I never really read them or paid attention to them. So it is interesting to kind of look at this and realize that Steve kind of took the, a real kind of truncated version of the, of the story and just took a couple characters. And I don't think anyone's the phantom. The, the phantom is never singing here. It's, um, I'm going to say a woman who's very interested in him, but knows he's not good for her. Then a guy saying, keep your distance. You need to stay away from him. Don't take his bait. And then um, the woman finally saying, I'm, I'm running and hiding. I, I need to get away from you, but you're always there. Uh, you're the fan of the opera. You're the devil. You're just out to scare. See, this is the part where it gets me. You damage my mind and my soul. It just floats in the air. You haunt me. You taunt me. You torture me back at your lair. So maybe she did go back with him after all. So maybe the Phantom of the Opera did get him. She knows he's bad for her. She knows that you, that he's a bad, per that he's terrible and damaged, but she can't help it. And she tortured him, but it was back in his lair. She went back to his place. So either she's there a captive and he is um, a some bitch, or she just couldn't help herself and she likes him a lot and that 
is the lyrics to Phantom of the Opera. I like to take a moment in every episode to kind of talk about something personal about the song, what the song means to me or what it reminds me of. I always like to say that for most songs, they remind me of something, a moment um, or just like uh, an event or or just some sort of memory. Um, Usually when something reminds you of something, it is a memory. So that's a weird way to say it, but you understand what I mean. So Phantom of the Opera reminds me of two specific things. The first one is that I had this poster. Um, If you look at the art for this episode, I had the poster of this um, on my wall. So it wasn't a full-size poster. There's this place in Salem, New Hampshire called the Salem Flea Market. And you could go there and there was just places where you got all kinds of crap that was definitely not authorized. Um, And they had this one guy had like an Iron Maiden wooden, um, it was a wooden plaque with basically like um, laminated with an, with kind of a power slave live thing on it. I had that on my wall. And he would have these like, I'm going to say 10, 12-inch posters. You know, not full-size posters, mini posters. And I had um, Stranger in a Strange Land, Phantom of the Opera. He had a bunch of different ones, and they were cheap, and I would just buy them all and kind of hang them all over the place. So I had big posters, and I had mini posters, and Phantom of the Opera is one of the mini posters that I had. Uh, but, but the other thing, the thing that I think about this song the most is when I saw Iron Maiden back in 2005 um, on the OzFest tour, uh, which was, again, a, you know, it was like I got to see Iron Maiden, which was awesome. I had to... Um, slog through a bunch of shitty bands and some bands that I enjoyed but you know for the most part it's just I like seeing live music so I don't care how crappy they are Um, and this was well before uh, you know Sharon Osbourne got people to throw crap at at Bruce and the band on stage and I'll never forgive them for that but uh, 2005 as part of OzFest they played their Eddie Rips Up the World tour and really, it was just them playing a bunch of stuff. It was kind of um, had to do with the history of Iron Maiden Part 1, the early days. So they were kind of supporting that. They didn't have an album going out at the time. So they really just played things from the first four albums, Iron Maiden, Killers, Number of the Bees, and Peace of Mind. And it was great because you got to hear old songs that you didn't hear all that much, including Phantom of the Opera. And I remember Bruce kind of giving a speech about, you know, if you don't listen to Phantom of the Opera, if you don't understand Phantom of the Opera, you won't understand Iron Maiden. It was kind of like, this is the song that defines what Iron Maiden became. Like, if you don't get this, you don't get the band. And I always loved that. And um, I also like to play live versions of these songs. So why don't we start off with a live version where he kind of gives a very similar speech. It's in 2005. This was in Sweden. It's good to be in one of the greatest rock and roll nations of the entire world right here today. This is no bullshit. 
Tonight is a really special night for us and we would like to play a very, very special song which we haven't played for many, many years. It's a song which I was in a band a long time ago, before I was in Iron Maiden. There was the new wave of British heavy metal. Well, sometime before you were born. Anyway, embarrassing, right? I was in a band called Samson and Iron Maiden, Iron Maiden was our support band one evening. Well, they blew us off stage. And they played this one song. And I've never heard a metal band play a song like this before. And this song really is everything that Iron Maiden is all about. I know that you understand it because you are the hardcore of Iron Maiden fans in the whole of Sweden. But I should warn anybody watching the television that thinks that any minute now they're going to turn over and Wimbledon is going to be on or football but for the next eight minutes there may be something very strange going on with your television and if you don't like heavy metal i advise you to go away before you have a heart attack and die all right Even though this is a Paul song off a Paul album, the style of the singing really does fit Bruce well. It's, you know, the da 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 da. Uh, but Paul does a great job with it. I just wanted to play um, that live version first because it just reminded me. It's what I think of when I think of Fan of the Opera. I think of that specific moment down in Mansfield, Massachusetts, seeing Iron Maiden, it's still light out. Um, and having a long day, I got hit in the head with a plastic water bottle. Uh, it was it was quite a day. It was um, it was exciting. Uh, but that's what I always think about when I think of Phantom of the Opera. I think of Bruce telling us this is what Iron Maiden is all about. But as I've said, 
this is a Paul song. So why don't we go back 40 years ago to 1980. This is, uh, this is so cool. So according to this video, uh, this live recording features Dennis Stratton on guitar. And I'm doing a little digging. I think this might be from the Live Plus One live EP that was released in Japan in December of 1980. It was recorded live at the Marquee Club in London. And this video says it was uh, done at the Marquee Club in London. So I'm just kind of putting two and two together. Uh, and the video mentions that Dennis Stratton is on guitar, uh, which is interesting because it doesn't seem like he was in the band that much longer. The reason I say this is because this live version you're listening to now is Live at the Rainbow, which is part of the uh, first live video recording that Iron Maiden ever did in December of 1980. Uh, and guess what? Adrian Smith is with the band now. And what I noticed with these old recordings is they are a lot faster, these old versions. I don't know if it's Clive Burr. I don't know if it's just the way the band went, but you could just feel the tempo of these versions back then. Uh, a lot faster. I mean, that sounds so close to, like, the record. It is amazing. And this is, you know, 1980, live uh, video recording. Like, the quality of it's great. And just the fact that you could see even then that Iron Maiden, uh, as a live act, was so perfect. And I think maybe even adding Adrian to the band just improved things, brought things up. Um, I know this, the, the recording quality is better than the previous version, but just everything about this version sounds better. Uh, and I know it's not all Adrian, but I'm going to give him some credit because, um, look, he's in the band now. He was gone for a little while, but he'd be, he's in the band now. He's been back in the band for 20 years. That's how old this band is. That's how, that's how long they've been around. That's how long this podcast is going to be. But as you can see with these older versions, I mean, they're like a lot faster 
uh, than I think the way they play it now. You know, that first version that I played was from 2005. But um, here's one from Download Festival in 2013, which, again, when you think about it, feels like it was just, oh, 2013, that's like really current. Well, that's already seven years ago, okay? I feel older every day, probably because I get older every day. I think most people do. But it's just crazy that you think, oh, 2013, this is a more recent one. Wait, that's seven years ago. It's crazy. But, but let's listen to that one from Download Festival 2013. Well, there you have it. Three days of incredible live music. And it's not quite over yet as we leave you with metal icons, Iron Maiden. crazy right i mean one of my favorite things about iron maiden is 40 years later they do not tune down this is the same key that they played in in 1980 that they're playing in 2013 that they're playing in 2020 but it definitely is a slower feel now i don't know if that was consciously done because they do faster songs they can do faster songs i don't know if this is a, a nico thing if this is a steve harris thing or if this is just kind of they just go with the way nico plays and that's how they do it i'm not sure but um, it's funny listening. You don't, I don't even really notice it until you, you know, put them right next to each other, and juxtapose these early 1980 ones, where of course they're crazy. You know, 40 years ago they're in their 20s, and um, now you listen to this, and it's just it's a little more, it's slower, it's a little more polished maybe, but it's definitely got a different pace to it.
like to do now in every episode is play some covers, some cover versions of uh, whatever song we're discussing. And for Phantom of the Opera, um, I found a couple, uh, but I wanted to play this one first because it's interesting. I wouldn't, it's weird to say because this is a cover, technically, uh, but it's from a band that you may have heard of uh, called Killers. And the lead singer of that band you may have heard of, his name is Mr. Paul Diano. So this is actually uh, from the 1999 Iron Maiden tribute album, uh, 666, the Number of the Beast tribute record. That's what it's called. Uh, And it's weird, right? It's weird hearing the original singer of a band singing a song that he sang uh, with another band now in a tribute, right? Didn't I feel like Ozzy did that for for a Sabbath album, but it wasn't like... Like he did it with some band, like he joined a band or he sang with a band. Like I think he did something with Primus or something like that. Um, But this is like, you know, imagine going to Paul Diano and saying, hey, Paul, would you like to be on an Iron Maiden tribute album singing one of your songs? I mean, he didn't write the song, but that's got to be a weird, um, like a weird feeling, right? I don't know. It just, it just seems weird, but it's a cool kind of version you know, it's um, you know, it's a more modern sound producing wise, but you can still feel Paul's voice. I say more modern. It's 21 years ago, but it's still a really cool version. No, that wasn't actually uh, the voice of Jeff Keith, uh, if you're if you're Tesla fans. That was the voice of a woman. Yes. A woman, you say? Yes. This cover is from the Iron Maidens. Get it? The Iron Maidens. The Iron Maidens. The world's only all-female Iron Maiden tribute band. And, um, you know, it's made up of five women who go by such stage names as Adriana Smith, Davina Murray, and Bruce Chickenson. Just 
So if you're not familiar, the Iron Maidens have been kind of performing as a tribute to Iron Maiden since 2001. Um, they've had many band members over the years. This album was recorded in 2005. So I'm not sure if, um, because in 2005, that's, well, it was actually recorded in 2003 and finished in 2005. So they had a singer named Jenny Warren back then. She was there for the first couple of years. She was known as Bruce Chickenson. Then um, there was Aja Kim, an, an Asian woman, who actually went by Bruce Lee Chickenson, which seems, um, I, I don't want to say troublesome, but I guess nowadays you might someone might think that's a little insensitive. I'm wondering if she's the one singing on this record. She was there from 2003 to 2008, and now there's a woman there. Uh, who's the vocals now? Her name is Kristen Rosenberg. She's been there since 2008. And she is back to just Bruce Chickenson. How many bands can say they have a dedicated all-female tribute band? I just thought this was a lot of fun and I just had to include it. This covers my favorite one. From an 80s band I've never heard of. Formed in 1984 in Sacramento, California, this is Sentinel Beast. save this one for last because I love this so much for so many different reasons first of all they they took the the maiden sound and tried to like make it thrash metal Uh, second of all it's just fast as hell it's not it's poorly produced in and what I like the most was I went to all music to look up the biography and I want to read the whole thing this thrash metal group was formed in Sacramento California USA in 1984 by bass player Mike Spencer you might know that name Vocalist Debbie Gunn, that's a woman singing, I did not know that, and drummer Scott Oz, I'm not sure who that is, Um, A-W-E-S, not O-Z, like um, Striper. Adding guitarist Barry Fischel and Mark Koyasako, they debuted their theme tune, their theme tune, Sentinel Beast, on the Metal Massacre uh, 7 compilation in 1986. That's when... You know, I, tapes would be made of compilation of metal bands trying to make it, break it. Um, I think Metallica has done that. 
this opened the door to a full contract with Metal Blade Records and the emergence of Deaths of Death the same year. That um, is what this is from. This is from the album Deaths of Death. It says, this was your standard anthrax style, heavy metal, poorly produced and notable only for the high speed cover of Iron Maiden's Phantom of the Opera. That's what I want to talk about. The only notable thing that, th- that all music says this entire album and band is known for is this cover song. The album was a commercial flop and founder this was poorly written and founding member they were a founder member and founder member Spencer left to join Flotsam and Jetsam soon after its release. If you know the band Flotsam and Jetsam, uh, according to Wikipedia, Mike Spencer is still in that band today. Uh, The band subsequently disintegrated with Debbie Gunn reappearing later in Snow White and Ice Age. I'm assuming those are two different bands. Not Snow White, Snow White with a Z. It's pretty amazing. uh, And this song, this version of the song, I don't know, I just, I really dig it because it is thrashy as hell. Uh, and it's just a lot of fun to listen to. Ladies and gentlemen, I think we did it. Made in Order, to me, is just kind of my way to get more in-depth with every Iron Maiden song. So I'm sure I've left some things out. I'm sure there are maybe some tribute versions or some live versions or some cover versions that you like better. Um, But I think I set out to... um, just kind of dive into the song more, and I, and I hope I achieve that. I love going through the lyrics and trying to make sense of those. Um, talking about some of the, you know, the, the the facts, like who played on it, and um, was it a single? This wasn't a single. Uh, and just kind of going through different versions, live versions, cover versions, hearing the speed differences, hearing the quality of the um, of the recording even over the years, just hearing how Bruce feels about this song which you know is how the rest of the band feels about this song i read that um phantom of the opera is one of steve harris's favorites and he still loves performing it live and i could tell by watching these videos i could tell by when i saw it live that this is just a crowd favorite uh, a classic iron maiden song it really is a song that just I mean, it is, it, it's hard to say, like, if you want to know what Iron Maiden is, this is, like, the first song to tell you this is what Iron Maiden is. And, and I hope that I um, haven't repeated myself too much in saying that, but I hope I got that across, and I hope you enjoyed yourself uh, listening to this little episode of Maiden Order. You can find me on Twitter at Maiden Podcast. The website is fansnotexperts.com slash maiden. And um, that's it, my friends. That is it. So we'll see you in two weeks for another uh, another episode. 
Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. I really appreciate it. And so until we meet again, my friends, there's just one thing to say. Up the irons. Talk to me back at you now!